You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Barkley in, gets by Hunt, going deep. Oh, and he's got him! Shepard inside the 20. Shepard just broke the tackle of Mitchell and takes it down to the four-yard line. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan. Hello, Grump. Quite a quite a weekend I had. Saturday night, 75 degrees, watching Florida kick Florida State's ass. Jump on a 6 a.m. flight, get to the snowy Meadowlands, and watch the Giants get their asses kicked. So the voice is a little shot for normal, but feeling good, and uh, let's talk about it. Yeah. Well, I, w- I wouldn't say it was a total ass kicking. I mean, this was um, score was a little bit closer than we both thought. Yeah, um, I mean the, the game yeah, was I... tight at halftime, and then it yep. just sort of ran away from everybody. But I wouldn't say this was the ass whooping I really thought it would be. I mean, some of that could be attributed to uh, the snowy weather throwing everybody's game plan off, which is definitely possible. I never felt. For- I mean. Yeah, we we did some things. We tried to stay competitive, but it was. Oh no! I never thought we would it was, win. No. It was never. In, it was never in doubt, and you know, we just, uh, you know, we got to muddle through this season. <laughs> that's that's been the theme of ours for weeks, and that's going to remain the theme going forward. It really is kind of difficult to reconcile the fact that at the beginning of the year we knew this would be a loss. Coming into this game, we knew it would be a loss, and here we are dealing with it in reality, as a loss, and still upset that it's a loss. Like, we should have seen it coming. We did see it coming, and yet it still hurts all the same. You know, this isn't a surprise, what we saw on the field. I would say the bigger surprise is that it was competitive for two quarters. Yeah, I mean, people are going to be outraged and pissed off about, you know, oh, you know, this team sucks, it's another loss, another loss. But what was your expectation going into this game? And forget the snow, forget everything. This is a team that has, what, two losses, Green Bay? I mean, they may not be elite of the elite, but they are vastly better than us. And anybody who didn't have this game as a loss and, you know, magic marker is delusional a little bit. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they they may not be the cream of the crop, um, clear-cut NFC championship material, but they're in the conversation. They're definitely playoff material. And uh, we are not anywhere in that conversation at all. So I don't know where there's any room for us to be rightfully upset about what happened on the field. <laughs> I mean, it really wasn't that bad. Um, and I want to spend a little bit of time on some improvements. Um, and I mean, something that we saw yesterday that is part of the bigger picture of what this team is. And it's 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 not much, but uh, would you say that Caden Smith is somebody that we can say is a positive from this year so far. I guess. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah, but I mean, we're really grasping straws. I don't think we are. I think, I think this is, I, I, I mean, I'm not saying he's a star player or a breakout player. I think he is a solution to what this regime wants at the tight end position. I don't think there was really 
a whole lot of effort to get the most out of Evan Ingram in the system. I've said it before, so like I don't need to go totally into it, but if this team really wanted to showcase Evan Ingram, he would be running down the field, not doing two-yard patterns and turning around or just running crossing patterns. I mean, this guy is real speed. He should be running straight straight ahead. He should be getting mismatches all the time, and he's not. I think what this team wants... And, and I agree or disagree doesn't matter. The fact is is that this is the scheme they're going to run, so they might as well get the personnel to do it. And it's a tight end that can has the ability to get open, has sure enough hands, and um, really just excels at blocking and getting things done right. And what they've managed to do with somebody like Caden Smith is a, compl- a, a totally low investment that fits everything that they're looking for. Um... It will be interesting to me to see what Evan Ingram's status is as he enters into a fifth-year option this year, whether or not he even enters it, or if he enters it and is traded or something. I have no idea. If a point of emphasis for this regime and this staff is a bargain basement tight end replacing one of the best assets this team has, then I don't know what to tell this regime that that's – is so low on the priority list of what needs to be well, no, 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 implemented. No. Yes, I agree with all that. But the point is is that there is a long list, right? Mm-hmm. It's low priority, right? So they they Super spent – and they spent a low investment filling that need. That's that's kind of the point I'm making is that this is a – this was a thing that had a good chance of failing, right? It was a low investment tight end that may turn out to be dreadful, and now they have to invest a little bit more in that position because it is a need even if it's low on the list. So now they've perfectly matched it. Low investment, low priority, done, right? I mean th- this is a small I, I, positive. I guess, but I think we're you're getting to the core of a bigger question that you know it's on everybody's mind and we're going to talk about further is, is this regime going to have the opportunity to explore that next year? I mean – the optics of everything they're doing seems to be done poorly or incorrectly. And the optics right now is that we both think that Evan Ingram is not in their plans for the future. All the other factors going into this, you know, why everything is going so bad, and they may be scapegoated out of here, you know, a potential new coach, new coaching staff, and maybe a potential new GM says, wait a minute, Evan Ingram is a weapon. Evan Ingram's a guy that we want going forward. So I guess if, you know, the status quo happens and they're back next year and they decide they don't want Evan Ingram. Yeah, I guess. But I mean, it's such a, you know, on that list of 10 things, this might be 11th right now. So, I mean, I don't know. I still think I'm right. (laughs) I I agree with what you're saying. It's a really, really low thing yeah. but if it's if it's one thing you can check off your checklist and you checked it off without having to spend anything then you've done yourself a good thing but you know what disappoints me grump is that the first thing you led the show off is what are positive things we can take out of this game after week 12 is this that means there's a whole lot of a whole lot of other things are not happening what i'm saying is there are other positives we already know about. I mean, I could spend, I could waste time in the show talking about how Darius Slayton was a late draft pick, or I guess a mid draft pick. I don't know. Fifth is pretty late to me, and he's turned out to be one of our better receivers. Six catches for forty four yards. 
I mean, Sterling Shepard played pretty well, you know, coming off of, you know, a long time off for concussions. Had a touchdown and a, a spectacular catch. I mean, I could talk about the thing, these things that are in the future for this team, but we already know about them, so I'm not wasting my time. I mean, what we saw, I guess, Sunday that was positive that we haven't talked about before is Caden Smith. You know, I, I think another thing we can talk about is that Daniel Jones played through an ankle injury, and you couldn't even tell. I mean, yeah, him. I, I want to talk about him because we saw, and I, you have to quote me on who it was said that on Twitter yesterday that he is regressing. Oh, and I, Matt I Lombardo. That's, I think that's the most foolish thing I've ever heard. I mean, regressing A, from what? And B, he didn't play that poorly. <laughs> I mean, I, I think we were talking about this on the train ride home yesterday is you can tell right off the bat with a rookie quarterback you're throwing into the mix, does he have an it or not an it? Does he have the deer in the headlights every time he's going back? Is he getting, you know, after five or six games, really looking completely confused and completely lost? Is he just throwing absolutely atrocious balls to nowhere? He's not doing any of that stuff. I mean, you've got to remember, too, who's he throwing to and who's protecting him right now? He's really – you've really thrown him into the deep end, and I think – I definitely see a quarterback who I could think can be an effective – leader of this offense for the next few years for sure. And I think it's getting better each week. Don't look at the – it doesn't matter what the numbers are. It doesn't matter if he throws a pick in this game. You know, we don't know if these receivers are running the right routes. We don't know. You know, the weather is the first time he's played in really bad weather, ankle injury, all these things. And I agree with you. That's something that's I can take for a positive with this going forward is I think he's – I think he's just going to be fine. I think he's a little better than I expected him to be at this point right now. Yeah, I'll agree with that. I mean, regressed is ridiculous. I mean, regressed, Carson Wentz has regressed. You know, he had a spectacular rookie year, and you know now he's not looking so hot. Balls are sailing on him. He's, he's making— and it's a couple of years. That's, but like... that's, that's regression. That is a consistent pattern that now has multiple results that, that make up a pattern of decline. Mm-hmm. What we're seeing here, he has a game in the snow where he throws three picks. The dude hasn't thrown a pick in games. And and, and he he throws three, two of which were sailed passes, one of which was a contested ball, a 50-50 ball that didn't go our way, in the snow. The first time he's ever played in the snow, he admitted before the game. I'm not going to hold that against him as regression. Yeah, we'd have to go back and look at what narrative he's been pulling before because that that's really ridiculous. And that, it's stuff like that where this fan base is always going to be annoyed and just pissed off about. They're going to parrot it, you know. I think he's each week you see little improvements and little things he has to work on. Some things are more obvious than others, but you do see the green shoots of improvement. Um, the touchdown he threw was beautiful. That one, that 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 first one, that's not regression. I mean, I, I and you no, know, did he start off this season as a Pro Bowler and now he's playing at a level that uh, you want to cut him? No, I mean, I, I don't know what people want. You know, for all the for all the criticism that he was taken because he can handle the New York media, it's like well, maybe the New York media is just annoying. You know, maybe, I'm not asking for any reporter to blow sunshine up anybody's ass. I want to hear it how it is, but I don't want to hear ridiculous shit like that. I mean, at that point, I literally can't tell at that point if that if that comment is 
trying to troll the fan base or is being no, just You know what it is. You know what it is, and this will never happen, but tweeting during games is like dialing your ex when you're drunk. <laughs> really, I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's the heat of the moments, instant reaction, it's instant, you know, hot take where it's just like emotions getting to you. And these guys are professionals, but, you know, they, they, they have a vested interest in this team. And if you stop and you count to 500 before you actually tweet it, you may have a different reaction. And that to me is just something that's a heat of the moment thing that's silly. If you went back and, you know, as a reporter should do, go back and look at the film, watch the game. I don't think you'd have that same take. So it's just take everything you see. That's and that's why you'll see. I never tweet during games. A, I'm watching the game. I don't have time to, you know, you, and I'm very emotion wrapped. And I, most of the stuff I'm going to say is probably stuff I'd either regret saying or don't believe three hours later. And for these guys, you know, as soon as you put you go away from actual reporting, you know, first down catch there by Ingram, and you get into you know, you're editorializing, it's it's not good. And they probably say things that they regret. I would have a feeling he probably regrets saying that just, in, you know, in the overall big picture of what he's doing. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. You're, you're right, though. And that, I mean, that's a perfect analogy between uh, drunk dialing an X and, and tweeting during the game. Yeah. Motion's I mean, running high. Yeah, I mean, Grump, you do it, and that's fine. You're not a reporter. You're a fan. You're allowed to. These guys shouldn't be – these guys who, you know, we we live in a society now where a station called Fox News is 24-hour opinion now. You know, so it's not – that line between news, opinion, and editorial content is blurred so badly that most people don't know the difference anymore. And when some guy like that whose job is a reporter is putting his own opinions in and everything, people don't, you know, they can't make that distinction. And that's just a, a very bad sign for the way the media is in 2019. So you mentioned earlier about um, the possibility of whatever plan is set in motion if it continues into next year or if somebody else is coming in. So let's let's explore that area right now. Is it a good idea? Is it a bad idea? And let's date let's start at the very top. Dave Gettleman. Do you retain him for next year? I absolutely do because you know when you are building and when you come in to basically rebuild a roster, two years is not enough. I mean you have to get your guys in. I mean, he is he banked his reputation with this team and going forward on drafting a quarterback. And he took a what a lot of people think was a reach in drafting a quarterback as high as he did. So you're gonna tell me that he's not gonna get a chance to play that out and see if that, you know, roll the dice isn't going to be successful after one season? I mean was a decision for, you know, drafting guys on the defensive line in the secondary, the Will Hernandez's, you know, and you give them two seasons to see if, if they're, you know, are they the, the building blocks of a team or, or are they not? And he was dealt a terrible cap situation, a team that hadn't drafted well in years. Now, he did draft, he, 
he did sign Pat Shermer. I believe the the owners have to sign off on that move, though. But he it was his recommendation. He's the one who you know said this is the guy I want. That's a that's a negative. But I think you need to like sort of like a college coach as well. You have to have time. To let these get their guys in and see if they're you're building towards you know a foundation. So I would keep him. Not every move he's made has been great, but you know the moves that you think are pretty good are are pretty good. And let's see how they play out. Yeah, I think the the vast majority of his moves have been good moves, and you know. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I, I I don't I don't have any love for the guy. I had had reservations for when they they decided to go with him, but you know, when you completely gut a team and you don't even have the cap space to help fill it, it's all gonna happen through the draft and for bargain deals. Mm-hmm. There are things you have to do that are unsavory, like trade for Alec Ogletree. Um You know, it it just is what it is, and I think that his his real moves, the moves he wanted to make, which is draft capital, he's done a good job in the draft. I I think. I think um, it's I, I think it's I, I think it borders between he's done a good job or it's to be determined. And if it's to be sure. determined, he has to let it play out. Um, I want everybody to go back and look at all the other thirty one GMs and point out one to me that has never had a bad trade. That's never whiffed on a draft pick, one who has had a free agent bust. Let's start with uh, the first one. I mean, you know there's no answer. Exactly. That's my point, that people are going to jump down his throat for signing X, draft pick Y, trade Z. But when you're building a team, it's about in aggregate all the moves that are made. And when you're in a rebuild as deep as this one, the first move is not the last move. The first move is built for the second move and the third move, trying to stabilize a little bit as well as build for the future. So not every transaction is made for this is going to be our dynasty team in three years from now. I don't think fans quite get that because they don't have the patience. So to me, it's a, it's an obviously it's an incomplete, but there's absolutely no reason now to get rid of him. I agree with you. Uh, moving down the line, Pat Shermer. How serious are you about keeping him or losing him? Well, again, when you're in a rebuild, you have a lot of parts that you need to replace and upgrade and do everything. So you, he does get a bit of a pass for it. But it's just you look at a team, and I can compare it to when I was at the Florida-Florida State game on Saturday night watching Florida State team's a mess the team isn't disciplined the team I, I can't tell you what you know after almost two years what their identity is on offense I don't know and a bigger thing than that I think right now is the optics that he is portraying to the fans the media to everybody else I think he does a really really bad job of trying to articulate what he is trying to doing. And I think that is hurting him as badly as what you're seeing on the field. You know, having a bad track record coming in, having a demeanor that's arrogant, combative, 
defensive, you know, and then what you're seeing on the field, those three things, you know, the first, the first one, the last one, there's nothing he can do about really this year, but he needs some sort of PR overhaul for himself on what he is saying and what message he's projecting out to everybody. So, so people will maybe try to buy into what's going on. I mean, him keep telling us, oh, well, behind the scenes things are working or it's working well in practice. You know, we all have eyes. We can see on the field that this offense doesn't do anything, that the, the, the poor decision-making and time management and, you know, not being prepared last week for you know, having a punter on the field and stuff. We see what we see. We're not stupid. And he kind of makes us think like they're smarter than us and things are getting better. And I think my question to you, Grump, is what could he be saying to make this, you know, very dark stretch in giant history just a little bit palatable? Well, I agree with you that um, he is a little standoffish and and it is – hurting the optics of things. I I really don't have an answer because I'm not very good at, (laughs) I'm not very good at doing anything other than what Pat Shermer does. Quite frankly, I, I myself am combative and, um, you know, I'm set in my opinions. I don't say things gracefully. So I don't know about what he could be saying, but I can tell you what he could be doing. You know, exactly what you said when you, when you were watching FSU, you have no idea what, what identity is the team has, Guys are undisciplined. Forget winning games. Forget game planning. Shut everybody down. Shut that shit down. Stop with the bullshit. Get guys running the right routes. You know what I mean? This bullshit, We I don't think we saw it on Sunday, but we saw it the week before where receivers are in the same spot. They're colliding with each other. Get that shit under control. You know, figure out what the problem is. Is the problem the call in the huddle? Then work extra with Daniel Jones in getting that shit done. And there's no restriction as far as I know in terms of playbook study. You know, there's just yeah, but- on the field workout shit. You know, get get that shit under control. Make make this team figure it out. Forget the game plan. I don't care if they win. If they win, if they lose and everything looks right and they just lost to a superior team, I can deal with that. Because I know the solution to that is to just get better. Um, but if if they go out there and, and, and they're like somewhat competitive but everybody's running into each other and they're playing like a bunch of kids, I can't deal with that. Because the answer to that is to just get a better coach. Right. I understand all that. And I completely agree with you 100%. But I'm, I'm talking about the messaging that he has have, you know, after each loss on Sunday during when he's talking to reporters on Tuesday, all that stuff. I mean – I think what he has to do is just be honest, you know? I hate to sound like he's someone who should just be negative all the time, but I think he needs to be like, you know, this team isn't doing well because X, Y, and Z. Don't tell us things are better for things we can't see. You know, and, you know, we lost this week because we are not disciplined. We are not doing that. Now, he might have lost all of his capital that he can't say that anymore, and he's just too far gone, you know, we get a new coach in week one. He's like, look, this is a shit show, and here's why. This team is undisciplined. We have to kind of start from the bottom up and kind of be honest. I, I think this I think this franchise for too long has not been honest with itself or with its fans. You know, grasping for playoff spots where there really is no chance for the playoffs. Um, trying to make that free agent fix. To, 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 
delude themselves into thinking that they're better than they are. And I, I, I don't know if it's too late for him that he has any credibility left with anybody to do that. And maybe it is just, you know, a clean slate is needed just even for an optics level as much as for can he actually turn this team around. Well, from an optics standpoint, I 100% agree with you. But I, I, I mean, that's sort of my MO as a person is to be very straight up and honest. And a lot of people don't like me for it. Um, they don't like being told the truth because sometimes the blunt truth sucks. Um, and I, from a personal standpoint, I don't know if that's like the protocol PR that is acceptable for public relations. I'm not a PR guy. Um, and I assume that that's not a good thing. Personally, I think it's a good thing to hear the truth and just know where you stand at all times. Listen, I inherited this team. I've got a rookie quarterback. He's learning on the job. Every day is a small improvement, but there are days when he's just, you know, they, the other team just confounds him. They figure it out. They know how to beat him. Or they threw something at him we didn't go over yet. Or we haven't had time to go over yet because he's a rookie. And normally they have a year to figure this shit out. You know, I think that kind of honesty is, you know, refreshing and whatever. But when I think about it, you know, you still get the same things where you have reporters and critics saying, we've heard this excuse way back in week three. You know, obviously people like you and me know like, yeah, it takes a whole year at least to start getting this stuff down. But that that opinion will still float out there, you know. Yeah. Hey, it's been ten weeks. Why hasn't he figured this out yet? Well, you know, it's a di- I'm no. not sure that it's an that it is a viable answer. I personally think it think that that's the right way to go about things, but you know, who knows? Well, I think it's a difference between excuses and facts. I agree I think, with you. And I think there's also even a way that you say it that it comes like he comes across by saying. Well, it's a rookie and this. He comes off, and I think a lot of it is kind of all factors built into one as excuse making. Where, you know, someone who's more articulate than he is, and someone honestly with more credibility <laughs> and better track record might be able to explain it off where people will be like, Are people going to be annoyed if you say the same things every week? Yeah, but if those are the reasons, those are the reasons. And lay out an honest, like, hey, this is going to take a while. You set an expectation, rookie quarterback, I don't expect this year to see you know, the next Joe Montana. I expect to see certain benchmarks up by the end of the season. So you don't lay it out to a week by week. You know, if, if you lay the narrative like that each week I'm seeing improvement in this thing, it's, you're going to fail. It has to be kind of setting the stage for this season is X and this is what we're working for. You know, and we're not going to talk about every little thing every single week. I think he fell into the trap with this media where they kind of are eating him alive because everything, every down, every snap is a thing on him. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I mean, I think for me, this is a a very frustrating part of the job because I think if you have on one hand – your average coach who is just okay will never win you games or whatever, but he's great at the PR thing. And on the other hand, you have a guy who just can't say anything right to the media, but he can win you games. All I care about is winning games. Um, so for me, this is such a frustrating part of the conversation because it is important, but I wish it wasn't because it is kind of silly. But you're right. I mean, 
optics are important, and uh, he's he's not shown himself to be very good at it yet. I don't think he's been as dreadful as Ben McAdoo has been. Um, you talking about optics or coaching? Optics, optics. I think right from the get go with Ben McAdoo <laughs> showing up with the the oversized suit and the you know. He calls the football the Duke. He just sounded like a douche from the moment he started talking. I think – see, I think Shermer comes off as – I think because Shermer had some prior success with Minnesota that he came – you know, he came off as someone that was more of a know-it-all even though he had the bad track record. I mean looking like a slob, I mean Jim Harbaugh looks like a slob. I mean that's that's not as big of a deal for me. It's just what comes out of your mouth is more important and – from that very first press conference, it was like with Shermer, this guy is inspiring. This guy is someone that, you know, it, it's never – it's not just his tone and his demeanor, but I, – I, I could not disagree with you more. I mean there was the one press conference where Ben McAdoo was asked a question about, you know, making adjustments at halftime, what adjustments he made, and he literally just stammered and said nothing. Um, he got into, I mean, and I hate Mike Francesa, but he was unable to keep his cool with Mike Francesa every time he went on the show. And, and, and well, like, I'm not, I'm not saying either one are, are, you know, media savvy guys. They're both not. I just, uh, there's a McAdoo just seemed unprepared for the job. And this guy just is not good at his job. I, I, I think one looks like he's a coach that doesn't appear to be inspiring and the other one doesn't even look like he should be a coach. I mean, he can't answer basic questions. You know, it's not even unprepared for the job. It's like, I really wonder what practice with him is like. Like, because well, this, this all kind of goes back then to the mares. Why are they signing off on these guys? It's true. But I, I guess the question is, you know, for me, I'm really hesitant to get rid of a coach in this scenario for the same reasons that I'm hesitant to get rid of a GM. He was inherited the same hand that Gettleman was. He's got to now take this roster and shape it, and it does take time. Now, there I have more qualms with Shermer than I do Gettleman, but I am hesitant to blow things up um, in the middle of it, and, and, and the head coach is an integral part of that. So while I don't like the fact that Pat Shermer is here, I'm hesitant to pull back on him, but there are certain guys that if they became available, right, you kind of are like... Yeah, we only get one shot at this guy, don't we? Mm-hmm. And um, you know, it's funny. Uh, there, there's guys that that get cut loose just because of I I don't know their longevity and, and uh, like like Tom Coughlin and um, uh, well, you Sh- know Shanahan. What? Not not Kyle. Um, Mike Shanahan. You know, with mm-hmm. with Denver, they just kind of yeah, we're done with this. And it's unfortunate that he wound up in Washington. I think if he didn't go to Washington, he'd probably still have a job somewhere in the NFL. But there are guys like that that they just kind of lose their jobs even Jim though they're Harbaugh. not doing a terrible job, right? Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. Sometimes people lose jobs because a new GM comes in and he wants his guy. Sometimes new ownership comes in and they want their guy. Uh, yeah. People don't lose their jobs just because of performance. There are – you know. This is a good old boy network, the NFL. There's relationships, and you know, it happens. What would you do if Dan Quinn became available? Say that's nice, <laughs> and that's it. That's it, huh? Yeah, I think. 
Uh, he had a very, you know, he had a quarterback that was playing really well and had a good defense at one point. But I, I would not fire. If you're going to make a move, if you're going to blow out the coach because you have somebody else in mind, Dan Quinn would not be my guy. What about Ron Rivera? Ron Rivera's, you know, he's got the connections with Gettleman, but you know, I, I don't know. I wouldn't blow out a coach for him. Interesting. Interesting. Now, see, Dan Quinn for me, I would probably first ask him if he's interested in defensive coordinator spot. Oh, you didn't ask that question. No, I know I didn't. I'm, I, I'm yeah, agreeing with you, yes. but then throwing another thing in there. Yeah. I, let me preface what I just said that I wouldn't right now fire. If you're going to make the decision about Shermer, I would have a plan B already ready to go. I don't want. I would not want to fire him and be like, "Who's our coach going to be?" And then this guy turns it down, and then this guy turns it oh, down. Oh hell like, no! Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I mean, as bad as optics and reality is with Shermer, I you know I'm not just firing him and hoping for the best. I want a plan B in place, ready to go. Um, now, James Betcher is different. I think there's a lot more availability of good defensive coordinators out there that if you just decide this isn't working, you get it, you get rid of him and you find, you can go find somebody, but someone as important as the head coach, you know, maybe they are working. They have that plan B already. They're working on right now. Um, I really don't think they want to make the move this off season, but you know, at some point, you know, the mayors are looking at a MetLife stadium that was Lambeau East and they don't like that. We're completely irrelevant right now. Yeah, um, it happened. I mean, that, that's that's a fan base that they have people everywhere. I mean, I grew up my best friend growing up with a Packers fan. Oh, oh listen, you know, it happens when when the Giants are good. There are a thousand Packer fans, a thousand Steeler fans, a thousand Cowboy fans. They're there. I, I'm not disputing that yeah. at all. The problem yesterday was there were no Giant fans. You know, something – if this team is decent, it doesn't matter that it's snowing. That place is filled. You know, our people we sit with who have been going to games for 40 years can go. Point. And that's something that bothers the mayors. Well, there, there's there's only one way to fix that, and that's to fix the product. I mean anybody yeah, knows well, that. I agree. But I'm saying, though, we, that's – but – Seeing empty seats is something that these guys, you know, fan owners have egos. That's why they're owners. I mean, they're now there's so much money involved, but you know, being an owner is kind of a boutique asset that you have. And a lot of it's stoked by ego. And when they see an empty stadium or they see, you know, the entire stadium filled by other things, that's that's a that's a bruise to an ego. So I don't know where I'm going with this, <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, sure, yeah, it was it was very very Lambo East. Yeah. Um, now, now one thing that will like the Giants, as opposed to a a situation like the Bucks, for example, or Jacksonville, is this isn't a fan base that's gonna. I'm getting rid of my season tickets. I'm done. I mean, they are. Which is honestly more frustrating. It it it. it, it and it's the same problem that all you people out there that are Nick fans have. It's like, well, I'm not. You know, who, first of all, nobody doesn't renew their season tickets. 
You know, so then all of a sudden it's ownership is like it doesn't hurt them in the wallet. And when it doesn't hurt them in the wallet, then it's how much of an ego do you have to make changes. So it's frustrating. This is a fam you know, we, we live in a city where there's so many people and we have franchises that have been around for generations and waiting lists for all of these teams for season tickets. So fans aren't gonna speak with their wallets. They'll do it in other ways. They won't show up. It is it is frustrating, and, and ultimately, I could give a shit if if you know the Giants are giving out free bratwurst in the club level section that seats like maybe a hundred people. You know, I, I don't care about any of that. I care about what I came to see. You know, Wait, what, is, what is what does that mean? Apparently, that was a thing that was happening. Do you know the club level seats we were at where you kind of have to scan in? Yep, the club. Yeah. That 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 level apparently they were giving out free bratwurst mm-hmm. at the Packers game, and some schmuck from CBS who I don't know um, was bitching and moaning that we're the softest team in the league and it's pathetic that they're giving this out during the you know catering to visiting fans and whatever. I mean we're talking about a very select group of people that are able to get this shit right. I mean you were there so you know. There's no way of getting in or out without tickets for that section. This is a non-story. I mean, I agree. And I'm going to go back even to my experiences at, at Florida, where I have season tickets up in a club level, and there's a theme for every game of what they serve. When they, when LSU comes to town, you get served jambalaya. When Arkansas comes to town, they serve some sort of pig. It's who cares? I mean. That's those are stories when things are going bad, they're just going to be picked up and run with. Oh, it wasn't a story. He was actually it was like his Twitter account. He recorded it. He was disgusted. That was it. It wasn't it wasn't a story. It was literally just his tweet. That sounds like the biggest example of first world problems I've ever heard. Exactly. Thank you. With the most expensive probably seats in the NFL whining about the food. Yeah. Yeah. For real. I, I could give. A flying fuck. In fact, I would actually be more encouraged to go up there if they had some high-class-ass barbecue for hosting the Cowboys. I don't give a shit. I want to see them win. I'll eat talking- whatever f- food without having to travel for it. Yeah, we're, we're talking too long about this topic because this is ridiculous. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Nevertheless, uh, you know, th- there's two other guys I want to run past you. And for me, neither one of them is head coach material if they shake free. But are they potential offensive coordinator material? And that is Doug Marone and Freddie Kitchens. Does Jacksonville or Cleveland's offense excite you at all? Well, no. Has has anything that either guy ever done excited you? Well, first of all, this is going back to will Pat Shermer give up play calling? Well, ignoring that for now, I'll I'll say this about Freddie Kitchens. Is he necessarily a bad coach? I don't know yet. Was he thrown too high up too quickly? I definitely think that. It stands to reason that when he was interim offensive coordinator last year, they were a much more improved, more formidable team. It, It... completely snowplowed the way for the the Baker Mayfield Cleveland Browns hype 
was how well they performed with him as offensive coordinator, with what's his face, Hugh Jackson out of the picture. You know, yeah, I think that there is a future for him somewhere in the league as an offensive coordinator, potentially even as a head coach down the line. I just think that they just bought into him head, feet, and shoulders and like way is, too soon. I think he is such a joke around this league last night. This Right now, it's going to take a long time to get his reputation restored, and I don't want to be that guinea pig to see if he can restore his reputation. Sure enough. Fair. I mean, he needs to go to a place if he wants to restore his reputation where – He's kind of forgotten about that he is a coordinator. I mean, if he goes to Jacksonville or he goes to the Chargers or he goes somewhere where he's just kind of buried and all of a sudden it's like, have you seen the Chargers offense lately? It's been pretty fantastic. Oh, yeah, that kitchen set, the clown from Cleveland. You know, they're doing some nice things over there. Doing it in a, you know, a high-pressure situation like the Giants where every snap is going to be scrutinized would not work here. What about Jason Garrett as offensive coordinator? <laughs> well, he's a guy who has all the weapons that you want, and no. Interesting. <laughs> I, 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 no. I... That's kind of interesting because I would, I would actually throw, I would, well, I'd definitely throw an interview at him for offensive coordinator. Um, I think much of his problems aren't play design or anything like that. It's, it's, it's. It's not even play calling. It's time management and and just being the lead dog. I think if he has a section that he's in control of and somebody to report to, uh, like a head coach, I think he might actually be better than you know him being the lead dog. He's had a top five running back. He's had a, a top five offensive line. He's had big time weapons at wide receiver and tight end. A quarterback we're not going to debate right now, but he's not – you know, one of the five worst quarterbacks in the league, and that's an average offense, and it has been an average offense. So my answer is no. Okay. Well, that again, pretty much settles just about everybody who's on the fence for a job at the end of the year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we don't know who's going to be available. We don't know, you know, can we prize somebody? You know, it's uh, – we said this last week. The Giants have a lot of money, and if they really want somebody really badly, money shouldn't be an issue. It's true. And it's also, we're acting like this is such a dream job that people would drop what they're doing to get it, though. That's a problem. This is a mess right now. It is a mess. I mean, if you, you, know, you can look and see there's a potential franchise quarterback that needs a lot of work. You can see there's a franchise running back that, uh, is, you know, this year, you know, injuries and having a bad running uh, offensive line behind him is kind of muted a little bit what his potential could be, but uh, that's not, you know, you're not really selling that something fantastic is happening here. This might be one of those things like we have to get the talent first and then we can, you know, get out of the basement rim uh, bin and, and start shopping at the uh, you know top shelf. Sure. I just think, you know, unless you're going to get to make a major splash with somebody who's going to just say, I just want to be here. I don't want something that's going to cause more distractions. And I think having a guy like Freddie Kitchens or a guy like Garrett will just cause distractions. And Lord knows his team has enough distractions as it is. Fair enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say I, I'm very hesitant about Pat Shermer as head coach, keeping him uh, – I'm sorry, 
getting rid of him just to get rid of him in the middle of uh, what is a several-year rebuild. Um, but I do think that something needs to happen at the offensive coordinator spot. Um, I'm not really sure what that is, but something needs to happen there. I, I don't think that every coaching spot is safe right now. I uh, Yeah, I what you're seeing from the offensive, you know, play calling, defensive play calling. Let, let me ask you one thing because we're kind of talking about coaching here. Janoris Jenkins kind of went off after the game yesterday saying he's tired of, you know, not being – not traveling with the uh, the number one receiver. He's tired of playing just half a field, not everything. What do you think about his comments and what do you think that kind of means overall about the state of the locker room and the state of him actually? I think I already know what your opinion is, but I I think nothing of that, actually. I I think that is a talented player getting frustrated at losing. I think that if this team wins and he's doing what he's doing, he he has nothing to say. Um, I I actually do not have the opinion you thought I was going to have. I actually was glad to hear it. Yeah. Because I think the status quo on this team can't continue. And for whatever the talent level is and the experience level it is, Things need to be cleaned up. Things schematically can be done to help this team. And something as simple as having your best cornerback in a sea of quarterbacks that are not ready to play in this league and not having him on your best guy is a very simple switch that can be made. And if it's just a stubbornness on the coaching staff or, or whatever it is, you know, I have people know on this show I have been very anti Janoris Jenkins for a long, long time basically since the day he got thrown out of Florida. Um, but to actually show that he cares about something and he's not just mailing it in kind of gives me some hope. And, you know, he could just say, you know, not say anything and just kind of take his paycheck and wait till he gets cut or wait till he gets traded or wait till his contract runs out. But him for actually to say something tells me he actually does give a shit a little bit. And... You know, maybe the coaching staff deep down is happy he did that because it shows that they haven't. Lo- That's not exactly losing the locker room. I think apathy loses the locker room more right. than speaking out about it. So I kind of give him a little bit of a star for doing that, hmm. but he's absolutely, but he's absolutely right. I mean, there are very little things that this team can do schematically to make it some improvements. You know, helping the offensive line with some more chipping. Having your best, you know, corner covering the best, you know, receiver. Little things. I mean, yeah. This team has to learn how to play. They're thrown in the deep end. They have to get better in that will of experience. But, you know, being competitive helps as well. Absolutely. Um, it was pointed out by many people that the Packers simply adjusted by – lining up their best wide receiver against whoever we had in the slot, whether it be yeah. Grant Haley or, or Corey Ballantyne. Um, and Janoris Jenkins is not somebody who can't play this slot position. So it there was no reason to not figure that out. But, I mean, it was just a lack of adjustment on the defensive side. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I have no problem with what he did. And, you know, if he had specifically called out, you know, James Betcher as an idiot – you know, now we're talking about a different level of things, but for what he said, I had, I, I kind of just shrugged at and moved on. Mm-hmm. But you know, it, it, 
People have been that. assuming that he was going to be traded for like two years now. Mm-hmm. I would not be surprised to see him play the length of his contract here. It would not shock me. I mean, that to me is kind of a signal that he wants to stay here. Now, if Gettleman has a master plan, how he wants to use cap money, and you know, if he wants he wants his players, you know, these young guys to take more of a role, that's kind of a different story. But putting up resistance to that plan by saying you want to be here does help. Absolutely, especially a player yeah. of his caliber. Exactly. Um. That's really all I have on this game. Um, things kind of played out basically the way we thought they would. Maybe a little better, maybe a little worse in some other areas. But, mm-hmm. I, I I mean, they're entering a, 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 a silly stretch of the season right now. Um, they're, they're going to play the Eagles, who are just lost to the Dolphins and looked bad doing it, by the way. I watched that game. Garbage. Mm-hmm. Um then they're playing the Dolphins, who are garbage. Um, and then they handle the Redskins, who are garbage. And then they play the Eagles again, and, who might be fighting for a wild card spot at that point. So, or <laughs> shit, even the <laughs> divisional. <laughs> so it, it's going to be an interesting sort of uh, end to the season here. And, you know, like I said, forget game planning. You know, get, get these guys disciplined get them figuring out what it is they're supposed to do because this is the last four times that they have live action to work things out um and that doesn't mean play guys that aren't ready to play it just means you know you know it's very play famous to, right play like to play to get better yeah of, of course as, yeah as, as play to get better as an individual and play to get better as a unit yeah. prove that you belong in this league prove that you want to be a part of the Giants future you know we all accept learning mistakes but we see the same things happening over and over again you know it's all on film every play and you know the coaches and the GM are evaluating these things so make it very difficult for them to want to get rid of you that's the goal for the next five weeks now saying that I think I know what you're going to say for an answer is it too early to start thinking about it's not the end of the world if they lose every game? Is it too uh, – um, in terms ready? of draft position? Yes. I mean not it, it's not too early to think that. No, 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 not at all. Like, but, I'm not but, but, to, yeah. but to make decisions to get to that point – is silly in my opinion. If you go into practice every week and you're like, we're going to work on the little things. Forget the game plan. We're going to go in there. We're going to work on the little things. The beauty of the little... I'm just saying, I'm just saying, if they lose because they were working on something else and they weren't really game planning or whatever, fine, whatever. But but to but to sit Janoris Jenkins because we're going to play Baker and Beal. And if we lose, well, good. Then we moved up a draft spot. It's a totally different line of thinking that I don't agree yeah. with. You don't, you, wait, wait, wait. So you're saying if they decide to bench Norris Jenkins because they want Baker and Beal and these guys to get more experience? Well, assuming – well, okay, that was the first thing that popped in my head. Both of those guys are probably ready to actually have action. Well, um, no, I'm saying if we if – that's doing – that's the reason being because they want to get these guys more right. reps, get them ready as opposed to 
we are benching Jenkins because we want to lose. Well, that's that's straight up that's tanking. Different. I don't agree with, but I mean, like wanting to lose is is different than even that's like a step even further than what I was trying to say. I picked a bad example, but I, I, I don't know, like sitting Nate Solder and throwing Nick Gates out there. You know what I mean? A guy you have no expectations of becoming the left tackle of this team, playing for the left tackle of this team. No, I, I want every move to be made to ultimately help this team out in 2020 and beyond. I don't, right. But my, my question to you is, are you at the point now where you, you're not upset that we're losing because it's helping the pick? Or are you at the point of, I'd rather we lose this game because it'll help the pick? Neither. I think, I, I think I'm just numb. I have no emotion left. See, I am right now, I am at the first one, absolutely, that we lose, oh, that helps. I'm getting close to the point of, if we play Washington, in that, that Miami game, I kind of want them to lose. <laughs> There's no benefit for me as a fan for them to win those games. I'm not there yet, but I'm getting very close. I'm certainly not. Miami I'm, is I'm one I, I, I feel nothing if we win, but, but those division ones are hard for me to say, you yeah. know. I mean, it's also it's a very very crappy Washington team too, so it's very you know I don't think any Washington fans gonna get up in your face and be beating their chest. About doesn't it. matter. I doesn't I matter. I, I'm I'm trying. Look, I don't I I hate Washington. I hate Dallas. I hate Philly, but I also hate more than that. I hate us being irrelevant and oh sure to watch. So you know, it's it's not we hate having this conversation, and I'm sure. You know, if you guys don't agree with this, you guys listening, please let us know. But for me, this is like I'm not going to be wearing a Miami jersey in two weeks at the Meadowlands. I'm not going to be cheering for Miami. I'm not going to be, you know, but would I, if we lose, am I going to be like that's that helps? I'm, I feel better about that. Yes. Did I feel great knowing when I got home and found out that Washington and Miami, you know, and Cincinnati all won? Fantastic. That that's as much of a positive for the the build of this team as what we saw on the field yesterday. So it's a it's a sucky position we're in, and I it, just trying to make lemonade out of lemons. But you know, do a yeah. Well, of, okay, I'll do say a, this: do a, do a tank in a way that helps us in the future. Don't just tank. It, yeah. Tanking to me is getting annoyed when you're doing well in a game. If 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 we lose this game and my my thought afterwards is I look at the standings and I look at the draft order, I'm like, well at least there's that. Then yeah, sure, I feel that. But in game, when I'm watching that game, I don't want to see misery on the field. I need some semblance of hope that we're not, you know, a whole puzzle away from completing the picture. Yeah, t- tanking that's just. We are just our number one goal today is to lose. That is unacceptable. Yes. Like I said, tanking where you're trying to winning isn't the most important thing of the day. You know, I'm going to I'm going to bench Norris Jenkins because like I said, I want Sam Beal out there and see what he does. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. I'm 100% okay with that. And I don't care if we win or lose that game. I'd probably prefer we lost that game. But if it's just something like Daniel, we're going to give Alex Tanney a shot today and see what he does, or we're going to let Eli play the last game, is the last home game or something. That's tanking, and that's 
not making yourself a better team in the future. And I don't want that. Which asks me what one final thing before we do go, Grump. Would you like to see Eli play in the last game? Nope. No. I think I agree with you. I think I think it's an insult to him. I agree too. And I don't think he would want that either. I don't think he wants the attention for that. I think Eli has been fantastic throughout this whole thing because you haven't heard a peep from him. Nope. He hasn't even been a story. I've kind of forgot about him. And you know, something that's a credit to him. So mm-hmm. I agree with I agree with you. And also putting him in every rep he has for him being the starter takes one away from the progress of Daniel Jones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. Well, we'll have more musings and thoughts on Twitter. I'm at football underscore grump, and you can you know reach out to me there where I'm lashing out at CBS anchors. Um, <laughs> the podcast itself is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and many others. It also has a Twitter account as well, at Just Giants Pod. Catch me as always on Twitter at the Cranky Fan. We are still in celebration mode from Saturday night, followed by Misery with the Giants, the Knicks, and all the other sucky teams I have. Tottenham. Well, I guess they're doing better than they were after they fired the coach, but I still have a lot to say about everything. So, and I'm, for those of you who asked, thank you. I am feeling 100% better, 1000% better. I, as good as I felt in a year, I don't think I could have pulled off two football games in 13 hours over a thousand miles away if I didn't. So, thank you for everybody who's reached out. I'm just about back to normal speed. Except for the voice. <laughs> and the fact that normal speed for him is a little bit slow. Well, you know. <laughs> we, we are cousins. Yeah, no. Well, we are Giants guys. fans is the correct answer. Yeah. <laughs> All right, everyone. We will see you at the end of this week. Go Giants. Go Giants.